0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. So God created the world for us to network, to network with each other, to, to be involved with one another in such a way that we can get tremendous amounts done. I mean, think how many people had to be involved just to build this building here or anything else for that matter. Everything requires tremendous teamwork, yet all of us kind of go it alone in life because we're so scared of no. We're so scared of No. And no would just crush us. But think of that, like someone saying no to you, we all know how scary that is and like how crushing that is. But you realize what an eggshell you are? <laughs> what is the big deal that someone said no? Like it could be like ten people, nine are gonna say yes, one's gonna say no, and we're scared to death of the one person. And so we just wind up asking none of them. And so we missed all nine. And the person who would have said the person who said no would have said yes, it's just that they're on their way to like to help their grandmother walk down the stairs or something to get her to the street level. And even that one would have been a yes as well because we all raised our hands no, agreeing that it's nice to do things for people. We like that. So, But we're all just so scared that we don't... And, and you realize that so many of us don't get anywhere. So many of us, we never get anywhere because we're, we're just trying to do things on our own. And you'd just be shocked how much people will do for you. Once you realize it's a yes world, everyone say it's a yes world. Yes. One more time. It's a yes world. It's a yes world. One more time, it's a, yes world. it's a yes world. And when you live in a yes world, things get done. Your dreams start to your dreams start to manifest. Because it requires you know, it requires a it requires a lot of people to get things done. But you've got to get rid of your self image to do that because it's too scary to get a no when you've got self-image in the way. But when you're just going full soul mode without all the self-image, so you're, 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 you just lose the fear of no. And um, so King David said, Ani, uh, Hashem Lebo is all right. Hashem's with me, or Hashem is mine. Be with my helpers, because the whole world are my helpers. Because once when you when you realize that, <laughs> when you realize you're just in the Shema, so the whole world's just there to help you, and you're there to help everyone else. We're all here to work together. It's really amazing, and also totally erases capitalism versus communism. That whole machlokus, that whole fight, capitalism versus communism. It totally because yeah, okay. capitalism versus communism is is ultimately, how do we take care of everybody? Capitalism is, well, everyone pays taxes, and we take care of everybody through the taxes. How's that going so far in Chicago? <laughs> and uh, communism is, the government takes care of everybody. How'd that go in Russia? I have no idea. <laughs> People are like eating their arms off. Didn't work. But how's a world where you have God awareness? You have God awareness, and you realize that you and everyone you ever met are totally equal. And if he's hungry, you're gonna feed him. If you have surplus, it's in order to give. If God granted you with money, it's to make sure you spread it out. You don't need your name on any plaque, because if you put your name on a plaque, everyone's gonna come all after you. And then you're gonna wind up being stingy just to get your own life back. I know so many people, rich people, are losing on losing on so many tzedakah fronts, so many amazing tzedakah fronts, because they they played the big wheeler tzedakah guy, only to have his wife say, enough, you know, like like just choose your choose your tzedakahs and that's it, and all but all you have to do is just keep yourself on the DL, don't let anyone know where you're given or what you're given, and just take care of people all over the world, like just go crazy giving tzedakah. You know, you got you download. download. Keep it on the download, and and then you, you get you get to keep your life with your wife and your kids, and no one's ringing your doorbell all day, and and you can give tons of stucca to all kinds of really important causes, as opposed to having to be limited in that in that way, and um, and anyway, but the the point is, is God is with us, and He's with us is in in my helpers because everyone's my helpers and i'm everyone else's helper i do like crazy stuff for people all the time and i love it i love helping people and people help me like amazing like i have i have my club which you should all be in called the Yom Tov Media club.com. and i have that club people are joining that club you know, people are just signing up on one level or another to be there so that we can help as many people as possible. And the uh, and it's really awesome. But the next words are "vani I will see my enemy. What does that mean? I will see go, everyone. Think deep for a second, and then raise your hand. What do you think? I will see my enemy. Because art school translated just, I'll see my enemy's downfall. It added like that word, like I'll see the. I'll see my enemy, you know, be taken down. You know, King David dealt with a lot of enemies, but what, it doesn't say my enemy's downfall. It just says I will see my enemy. What does that mean? <coughs> what that means is that I will see, I will see. Oh, someone want to give a try. See the good in your enemy? What? See the good in your enemy. That's pretty good. Go even deeper. See yeah. Of my enemy? See the what? Troubles of my enemy. Maybe go deeper. Yeah say that Yates are hard and they be destroyed. <laughs> okay. Very good. Anyone else? Maybe like I'll see the people that are not really good to me that they look like they are. Like, they treat oh, I think she's got it. Go louder. They treat me like they're good for me, but they're really bad for me. For, like, uh, that's too deep. You, you got it? <laughs> um, meaning you'll be able to identify who was the enemy in your life. The no <laughs> people around you. Okay, I got this one. <laughs> you all said beautifully. You all said beautifully. The um, What it means is that I was, I'll see my I'll see that all these people that I consider my enemies are not my enemies. I made them my enemies. Because once Hashem's really with me and I'm, which means I'm really being an, a soul. Let me put it on the board. It'll be a little clearer. This ought to fix it. So when you have, uh, I mean, I've done this a million times in this room, but I'll do it again. When you have uh, something called uh, acceptance. When you have acceptance. So the definition of acceptance is that if you live that person's whole entire life, not you, but you were that person. I don't mean if you with your brain lived their life. I'm saying you were them, Mm -hmm. their brain. Their sibling order, their community, their family, those parents, if you, not if you, but, you know what I mean, if if you were that person, that person that you're calling your enemy would be you. I mean, if you're an Iraqi soldier shooting across the Iranian border, the only difference between the two of you, you're born in different, you know, a couple hundred yards away from each other. Just there was a fence in the middle. That's the only difference between you. So you're basically shooting yourself. You understand? You're shooting yourself there. Because had you lived his whole life, you'd be shooting—you'd be shooting yourself from the Iranian side. So when you when you get to acceptance, you realize that everybody is just really doing their best. Really, I mean, every single one of you is, has been doing the, your best. Is anyone here who raise their hand and say they haven't been doing their best? You've all been doing your best, and you may—that may suck. By the way, I mean, your best may suck. But I promise you, I promise you, looking backwards, in retrospect, giving all the factors, which are in the thousands daily, given all the factors, you're doing your best. You're all doing your best. And so is everybody you've ever hated. Everyone you'd call an enemy was doing their best. And if you could have watched their life when they were grown up, if you could have like, seen a movie, a biographical movie about them, and the curtain opens, and there's a little baby there, like, Uh. And and then the kid grows up. And you're watching the kid grow up and go through hell. Like their home's like the Holocaust. Even though it's in New Jersey, but it's like the Holocaust in there. And then after a while, you're watching the movie, you're eating your popcorn. You're just like, what's going to be? I love this kid. Like this kid's got to break through this. You're going to sit for two hours waiting for the breakthrough. But the problem is during the movie, the shape of the face as the baby fat starts going away is this face of someone you hate. And you're like, you'd say to your friend sitting next to you, like, I'm leaving. They're like, don't leave. Don't leave. Watch. And you'll realize that everyone you don't like is suffering. They're suffering their own stuff. And you just wound up in harm's way. Because hurt people hurt people. <laughs> hurt people hurt people. And so whenever someone's hurtful, your job, if you're a Jewish person, at least, because we're called Rachmanim, bnei Rachmanim, we are compassionate, who are the children of compassionate people. Your job is to have compassion for someone who's harmful like that. Doesn't mean put yourself in harm's way, but but you've, if you've been in harm's way, you know you, you got to talk to God about that. Like how'd you wind up in harm's way, or how'd you wind up in that family? And the answer sometimes is just, well, it's a reincarnation situation, meaning I'm paying cosmic debt. I had to wind up in this family or in that situation because I've obviously, I've obviously got some leftovers from previous lifetimes as a, uh, as a, uh, a hypnosis therapist. I worked in hypnosis now for 22 years for the last 22 years, I worked in hypnosis in the And there were several times where, where the only thing to do now was to bring them into a past life, like one life before this life, in hypnosis sessions. It's called past life regression therapy. Not a preferable thing. You never want to have to go there, Uh, for various reasons I'm not going to bring up right now. But uh, but I can tell you I I I didn't have that many that many uh, victims of uh, sexual assault, but every single time I had a victim of sexual assault that I brought into a past life was a sexual assaulter. Every time. It was five out of five. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying everyone was like that. Just everyone I dealt with was like that. And so, we have no idea what we're going through in our lives. And But I'll tell you this much, that the, the king of the universe is like moving puzzle pieces around and like really good at it. Really, really good at it. Like, extreme accuracy and precision. There are no mistakes. There are no mistakes whatsoever. Everything is happening with with extreme precision. Everything. Nothing's going on without total control. And you all know that. Because look how well your life's orchestrated. Look how everything's just completely run. It's all, Your life is so orchestrated that it's a crazy miracle that the people around you have free will because God's orchestrated them around you. So how could they possibly have free will? They were all orchestrated around you. Your people were all orchestrated for you. And so, and yet, but you're also being orchestrated around them. And so they have free will. You have free will. How do we have free will? And we all have total free will. Yet we're all being orchestrated around each other and all kinds of crazy, perfect things are happening everywhere now of course that brings up the subject of suffering like people in abject suffering I and mean, we're still within the century of some of the worst suffering in millennia and again that's just a situation where where we we're, we're never going to understand that we can't get our heads around that we don't we don't we'll never get we'll never understand that I mean, there the, are lessons to learn, like be compassionate, be caref- caring, take care of people. Don't be evil like the perpetrators. There's lessons, but to understand it, none of us are on that level to understand. Can I get you to shut off the heat, please? You guys had enough heat in here? It's not even that cold out, really. It's just psychologically cold today. <laughs> I had a really psychologically cold moment today. I was I took my my eight year old boy out to lunch. I like surprised him in his Hasidic Khaider and Mayasharim and took him out to lunch. He was so happy. So I'm freezing in this restaurant. It has these like brick walls. And I'm sitting next to a brick wall on this frozen day. And then I finally like just touched the wall, the texture of the wall, and it was vinyl. 3D, like you could push in the bricks. They were 3D. It was vinyl, and I had been frozen for like a half hour straight sitting next to this brick wall that wasn't even cold to the touch. That's why I like to look at the temperature of rainy days, just to see if it's really freezing or it's just that it's raining. My wife, when the wind blows, means it's cold. Like the wind blows, she just goes... And so all my kids think it's freezing when it's windy, but all the boys, at least the girls, all the boys are like, so you know, it's like a summer wind. It's like 80 degrees out you know? and all the girls are like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just funny. No, it's just like birthright, you know, oh. singing Colum culo in like this gigantic circle. And the A Adam, what's up, bro? There's <laughs> this giant circle with the are walking around shit like showing that it's a Gesher Sarma. Oh, it's so cute. You don't have to see it, it's really not <coughs> interesting. That's go- that's like an everyday event at the hotel. Okay, I'm gonna take your question and based on that break. Yeah, what's your cool. question? Yeah, so there's a couple ways. You guys want to talk about forgiveness for a minute? Of yourself and others. Of yourself and others. I'll <laughs> start <So> with <others. laughs> Sorry that. So, um, so there's a couple ways, a couple tricks. You're taking notes. A couple things to know. Uh, one thing we already spoke about: see the innocence. That's co- by the way, the title of what I just called is called "see the innocence." Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, it's a, it's got a term: see the innocence. See the innocence means if you saw their background, you'd realize this person's been through their own hell. And you you wound up in Hell's way, right. later. So that's to see the innocence. Another one, which we mentioned a little bit, is that God doesn't make mistakes. Okay, God doesn't make mistakes. If you if you wound up there, it was not by accident. Okay, that's another one. Another one is um, is just your own self uh, self love, like uh, self preservation love. Is that think about it when you when you feel those feelings of resentment. It's when you wish someone would die, but you drink the poison. Meaning, meaning, not. I'm. This is more like, you know, in everything that we're motiv- we're motivated towards something, but we're also motivated away from something. You know, like like rats move very quickly across a maze when you put cheese on the other side. They move much quicker. But if you put the smell of a cat behind them, you know, at the entrance of the maze, they move like ten times quicker. Okay. Meaning, if you want to make sure you're motivated in life, first choose a reward that's going to motivate you, but then create the smell of the cat. Get really intensely and deeply clear with what... Get really present to what is life going to look like if you don't succeed here. What's your life going to look like there? That's the smell of the cat. That'll keep you running. That keeps you running real fast. You don't want want to look at life like that. So... Um anyway, so the smell of the cat here is to is to realize that you're drinking poison every time you think about that person. So it's, maybe it's better you just let it go already. And the and another another beautiful line I heard on this was that when you forgive somebody and when you when you forgive somebody, by the way, write down the last one in case I forget. It's called the gift of forgiveness. R- remind me if I forget to say what that is. So, uh, is there any water here? Anyway, <laughs> Uh, You don't have to get. Uh, You mind finding water? I don't know where you're going to find it. You can even go behind the bar and fill tap water. Just let it run a little bit. So, um, what was I talking about? The cat. cat. Oh, no, another grin. (laughs) The cat. I was not discussing a cat. So, anyway, um, here's another beautiful line. Listen to this one. You'll love this one. When you forgive somebody, you let them out of jail. Only to discover that person was you. <laughs> what? When you what? forgive what? somebody, what? when you forgive somebody, you've let someone out of jail. Only to discover that someone was you. Well, what that you're the one in your own. You're, when you have, when you're resentful, you're the one in jail. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The next one's called the gift of forgiveness. Next one is the gift of forgiveness. Oh, and by the way, the uh, last one's called Shredder and Kiss. I forget. Shredder? Shredder. Yeah, the next one's... You asked the right person, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, the gift of forgiveness is... Uh, you, anytime you've ever forgiven someone, it's almost always because they asked for it. It wasn't a gift. It was earned. <laughs> like someone put their tail between their legs and humbly came up and asked forgiveness. If it wasn't humble, you probably didn't really forgive them. But if someone really... Like humbled themselves and paid that price, and asked you for forgiveness, you forgave them because you sense like this person's really there. Like they they paid something for this forgiveness. They put something in. The gift of forgiveness is when you realize you just po- this person's never gonna ask, and you're just drinking the poison. This person probably doesn't even know your name anymore. The person doesn't even remember you as some lame Rebbe you had when you were a kid or some uh, some evil principle or something, and. Uh, and so they don't even know who you are. You're the one poisoning yourself. They're, this person's long gone. They're certainly not asking forgiveness, or even if they're in your life and they're not asking forgiveness, just give the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness is a gift. It's where I'm gifting them a forgiveness, even though they didn't do any of their work. They didn't come humbly with their tail between their legs to ask forgiveness. I'm just gifting them that forgiveness. That's the gift of forgiveness. Okay? And the next one is the shredder. I'll take two cups, please. I'm feeling a little bit dehydrated. Thank you so much, brother. Saved my life. Thank- oh, that's for me? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll... T- Can I get a little refill? Please? Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Can you imagine being so spiritually that you forget to eat or drink? I missed, five, I missed five meals in a row. I missed five meals in a row this week. I mean, I'm really like, my wife's ready to kill me. She's ready to kill me. And she's My wife's a Jewish woman. Did you know my wife's Jewish? So she's this Jewish woman who's like, food is love, food is life, food is everything. And she's married to this like leaf in the wind. And she can look at my face and know if I ate. Wow. And what happened, she kept getting me to promise to eat. And so I was like, I was riding home and I'm like, yes, I'm going to go to the village green and I'm going to eat something. And, and, um, and then like a block from the village green, I get a phone call. Like someone needed some help. And so I just kept riding like, you know, I just wrote home. And I wrote home and hung out at home for a little while and then had to leave and run a seminar for four and a half hours. And I don't eat late at night, so that meant next morning, but I also don't eat breakfast. And so I, I got to five meals straight. Yeah. So I'm being a really good boy. Today, I already had a hamburger. Wow. And I don't even like meat. I'm just trying to be, a, I was like chewing on it, I was like. I was trying to like not like shoot it all over my son. I ate a burger. Not ever, but it's been quite some time since I've had a burger. And I can't say I enjoyed it. If you stop eating burgers, you can't even look at them anymore. Yeah, the burgers are like a brainwash from America or something. You know, who knows what's in those things. Yeah. You can, like, see the mark where the jockey hit it. That was bad? Okay. <laughs> you like it. Okay. So, um, anyway... The shredder, thank you. The shredder is that... Have you guys n- noticed that it's really hard to gather the past? Like, someone show me yesterday. Uh, can you show me yesterday, please? Take a little of yesterday. Would you like to show me two days ago? Uh, would you like to show me last week? Can someone show me... Uh, can you show me an hour ago, please? Can I have five minutes, please? Five minutes ago, can you show me that? Uh, how about a minute ago? Is that? Uh, can you, would you show me half a minute ago? Would someone show me a second ago? Can someone show me, like with all of our technology, I mean, we got a lot of tech. Can someone show me a half a second ago? How about a quarter second ago? How about an eighth of a second ago? That's the shredder. Is all present is going through a shredder. Here in the future, it's a blank document, stack of paper. Here's a printer, right? That's now, it's printing. This is the inkjet where we are right now. That's a printer with... Just blank paper, and it's every moment's going out of shredder. But you know what you've been doing in your life all these years? Well, let me put it like this: You ever seen? Uh, you ever seen in wealthy communities where people walk their dogs? You know, wealthy people have a lot of dogs, usually, or they have little kids, more dogs, or at least a dog, one dog. So, anyway, they walk with a they walk with a. It's like a spatula. It's like a. It's like a. What do you call it? Kafashba, a dustpan like a dustpan with a stick. It's called a pooper scooper. <laughs> so you know what you've been doing all your life? You've been taking your pooper scooper, you've been digging it into the past and f- flinging it all over the blank paper. And that's what's been feeding your present. You've had your past like totally mixed into your future. And what that really means is, you know what your problem is? Your problem is that your future has been full. You know what it's full of? It's full of the past. And you keep thinking if you do this, you do that, if you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that, you do this, do that, somehow it's gonna get better. But when you just do 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 and do, all you get is doo-doo everywhere. <laughs> you have to you have to release. You gotta release the past. You gotta release the past. And you do your, you, when you do, you do clean, you're cleanly doing, you're like doing things into the future from a very clean place, not just like, not like, like one foot on the gas pedal and one foot on the brakes, which is how you probably do most things. Cause you're just so scared of like, what could, what could possibly happen in the next future moments that would match some horrible difficulty I had when I was a kid. Like, how do I, how can I possibly avoid more heartbreak in my life? from more failures or rejections or anything. So you're just like... So you do a ton, but none of it's effective doing because you've got your foot on the brakes the whole time trying to protect yourself from matching the past. In other words, you just got the past wrapped up in your future. You ever try to read a document that's already been written on like you accidentally printed on a pre-printed-on document? It's not so legible. Our lives aren't so legible often because our past has been mixed up with the future. Now... The acceptance, when you accept somebody, it leads to feelings of love. Who do you love? You love anyone who accepts you. That's who you love, which is really sad, by the way. (laughs) It's really sad because who you're really loving is yourself. You don't even love them. You just love people who hold of you. You love people who make you feel significant, which means you don't love them. You love yourself. Which is why it's so important to love yourself. Like, whatever you got to do to love yourself, you better get it done before you <laughs> choose someone to marry. Because otherwise, you're just marrying yourself. And if you ever do, and if you ever do love yourself someday, who says you're going to still love them? I mean, when you're finally going to choose someone to live the rest of your life with. Make sure it's the person you're choosing, not just how you feel about yourself when you're with them. Like They make you look good at parties or something. Or, or they make you feel smart or, or some other stupid thing. How do you know when you... When you lo- finally I love, love yourself? Love yeah, let's work on ourselves. Don't worry about others. When you, let's first love ourselves and then we can talk about loving other people. That's, why do you think the Torah says so, so succinctly, so awesome? No one even gets the line, but now you'll all get it. Love your neighbor as yourself, meaning the, only in as much as you love yourself could you ever love another person, because otherwise, in as much as you don't love yourself, you're filling those gaps with by using people. Torah is like, always nails the words right away, like, love your neighbor as yourself. Again, only in as much as you love yourself can you love your neighbor. That's your capacity. It's telling you actual the actual capacity of love will be based on how much you love yourself. And so this should be freaking out a lot of you because, because you've been dreaming all this time that someone's going to come fill your gap. Someone's going to somehow fill this hole in your heart. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. And it's not really fair either because you're going to make some man or some woman miserable because you're going make to make it so damn clear that they're not doing the job. Because it's an impossible job, but you're so dead set on them doing it that you'll just give them 30 years of hell until maybe someday you'll get over yourself. And realize that you're the one you got to love. And then you can actually maybe see somebody. Because I'm going to ask you another question. Who do you hate? We asked who do you love. That's whoever accepts you. Who do you hate? Well, it's an easy deal. Whoever doesn't. Whoever doesn't accept you. Think about it. Everyone you don't like. I know you've, based on how many years you've known them is how many reasons you put on your hate list for, about them. You know, like, let's say you've known the guy for five years, or you've known the gal for five years, so you'll have, like, a nice list, like, a hundred items. Because you get to know them, you get to know, because everything, little thing they do, everything they do is like witchcraft. Every little thing they do is witchcraft. Yeah, it's like they're just, they're just pointed ears with fangs, these people. And the longer you know them, the more you hate them. But if you really were honest, you'd go back and back and back to the very beginning is that you felt at one point or another that they didn't accept you for who you were. And they may have never spoken to you. It's just that the guy's so damn smart that I feel like an idiot around him. And then I had to spend my next five years learning in yeshiva with him. And so I just destroyed him in my heart. Only to find out later, and this happened to me, this very story happened to me. Hated this guy. And five years later, I get called into Aisha Torah-like the, the, you know the, One of the managing staff members Into a meeting And he says we've got a promotion for you And I said that's amazing Whose idea was that? He said it was Jim's idea I'm skipping his Hebrew name It was Jim's idea I'm just like Jim's? Yeah is there something wrong with that? And I'm like there's nothing wrong with that I'll take that promotion Thank you and I run out the door I run to the base midrash I grab Jim by the shirt collar And said like what the hell man You hate me said, I hate you? I thought you hate me Said, Why do you suggest me for a promotion? He says, you're the best guy for the job. I said, well, how come you never say hi? How come you never say good Shabbos? How come you never look at me? You never, you never, like I walk in a room, you put your head down. And Jim says, Jim says, again, Jim's, Jim's 1,600 on his SATs. He's cum laude Harvard mathematician. Jim says to me, Yom Tov, you made more friends when you came to Asia Tour in six minutes than I made in six months. I feel like a nerd when you're around. Now tell me, what do you think I did with my hundred item list of five years gathering every reason why Jim's a jerk? What do you think I did with that list? How fast does that list go poof? Poof. It's gone. Hashem Here's my helper, Jim all of a sudden Jim's my helper. and I will see my enemy." I realized that my enemy's not my enemy, I'm my enemy. And Jim didn't serve to boost my ego in some way or another, make me feel accepted and significant. And so I just wiped him out of my list of you know, I put him on my, that list. That's how important acceptance is. And once you get that definition that, that had I lived that person's life, that would be me. You can accept absolutely everyone. Unless they're Amalek. <clears throat> Shalom, everybody. Have a beautiful day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.